Well, good morning, everybody. I am so happy to be back and hang out with you guys this weekend. It's been too long. It's been too long. I've been looking forward to this weekend, uh, getting to see the, the bright, shining top halves of your faces as we, as we sing this morning. Uh, why don't we all stand up together as we sing?
every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Sing Jesus. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you, oh, we live for you. Sing holy, holy, there is no one like you, there is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. Oh, we live for you. Father, this morning as we continue to sing, God, we thank you for uh, this church and God, the chance to come on uh, this foggy Sunday morning and uh, sing songs, God, and just gather together, God, learn about you, God, and then leave this place excited uh, 
um, for what you have for in front of us. God, I pray as we continue to worship you this morning, um, we leave the distractions behind us. Um, God, we leave the things that we brought in at the door, and uh, we use this this time to come before you, God. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship you.
Amen. Would you guys grab a seat? Good morning, Solano Valley. Woo! All right. For those who don't, oh, let me take this off. Thank you. Okay. All right. Now I can breathe. Okay. So I don't know about the rest of you, but wearing those masks and singing, sometimes I feel like I'm going to pass out. But okay. (laughs) All right. We just want to thank uh, Jason Squires for being here with us today. For those of you who don't know, he came because Matt and Carolyn got the opportunity to go away this weekend and get refreshed. So, hey, Matt and Carolyn, we hope you're having fun in Tahoe. Um, And so I just want to welcome you guys. My name's Jen. Um, I have a lot to talk about today, so I will be referring to my notes so that I stay on point, okay? Because you know I wander sometimes. (laughs) For those of you joining us on Facebook and YouTube, we want to welcome you, too, and we're glad you're here uh, visiting with us virtually, in your pajamas probably, Um, which maybe we could have a PJ day one day. Gary, I don't know. Okay. So I want to remind you of something we talk about every time, which is groups and serving. Connection, growing, those are two of our really main things that we have a mission here as a church to do. We want to grow in Jesus, and one way we do that is by serving. Another way we do that is by connecting with other believers, people who want to learn and grow in Jesus just like we do. So we have lots of opportunities to do that. Um, in fact, we have a women's group that meets today at 4 o'clock in the Rounds of All's backyard. We're studying, studying First and Second Peter. It's been a really good study, and um, I've learned a lot from it. So if you want more information about joining a group or about serving, please go to our SVC app and click on Serve or click on Groups, or I'm sorry, Connect. Um, you can also, uh, if you haven't gotten our app, go to the, the Apple Store or the Google Play Store, and you can find it there. There's also other good information on there, like calendars and different things like that. So I would recommend getting that. Next week, or no, not next week, but on December 5th, we're going to be taking off a new series called Christmas Stories. Everyone loves a good story, and at Christmas, there are lots of stories we like to enjoy. Stories have a way of shaping us in good ways when they are good stories. And the Christmas passage of the Gospels have a way of reminding us of what's important in life. I want to encourage you to join us for all five messages, including Christmas Eve and the Sunday after Christmas. And speaking of Christmas Eve, we're, we're going to be hosting an in-person Christmas Eve uh, celebration at 6 p.m. And so we're going to be doing Christmas carols, encouraging readings from the scripture, and we're just going to be together celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I would encourage you all to come and join us for that. Um, I was excited this morning. I walked in and... Dan was, Dan and, <clears throat> I'm sorry, they, there were, I, I, sorry, well, here I go. I noticed on the back table, there were coats back there, and there were several people, the failures were coming in, and they were putting some coats back there on the table, and so I was like, what's going on here? Well, it turns out we're doing a coat drive for the 11 kids. That's a local program within our community that serves, like, underserved kids and youth, And we're doing a coat drive. There's already several coats back there. This is a way for us to really uh, pour out love on our community. It's a really simple act. Um, We're looking for coats for ages 5 to 12 for girls and boys. And uh, if you want to participate in that, we would encourage you to do that. We have flyers on the back table for those of you who are here. Another way that we can also give back this season is by donating uh, food. We're also working and partnering with the Contra Costa Food Bank um, of Solano. And if you want to bring some canned goods to donate, this is a great time to do that, considering that Thanksgiving is right around the corner. Okay, so now we're going to uh, turn to our offering portion. This is also part of our worship, is to give back, because all that we have belongs to God. He's blessed us all, and he wants us to give back joyfully. Um, In 2 Corinthians 9-7, the Apostle Paul shares in his letter to the church in Corinth the following wisdom. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The church in Corinth was preparing to send a financial gift to another church, and Paul was exhorting them to give cheerfully. Paul knew that a gift given reluctantly or under pressure wouldn't be given with the right spirit or heart. A cheerful giver reveals the life of someone who has put full trust in God, believing he is a a good father who loves to bless his children 
and enjoys watching his children bless one another in return. There are five ways that you can give. One is going online to solanovalley.org backslash giving. You can tap the word give on the SBC phone app. You can send a check to 1307 Oliver Road, Fairfield, California, 94534. You can text the word give to 707-883-3019. Or if you're here in person, we actually have a little slot in the back wall behind the sound booth that you can slip your giving into there. We want to thank you guys so much for your generosity, and I just want to welcome up. Oh, I want to welcome up a video. (laughs) Enjoy. series on the fruit of the spirit we'll be looking at galatians chapter 5 i'll tell you a little bit more about that in just a second Uh, about a month ago a little over a month ago i was in santa cruz for a pastor's conference and uh, one of my buddies who uh, pastors a church up in uh, up in sacramento uh, we ran into each other and uh, it was early one morning Uh, neither one of us could sleep Uh, so instead of just hanging out in our hotel rooms we went downstairs got some coffee and uh, he invited me to come over, sit at his table, and we just talked some. And we were just talking about things that pastors talk about. We were talking about different aspects of our churches. Uh, sometimes we like to talk about books we're reading. Uh, and what I asked Craig about is I said, hey, what are you preaching right now? I was just kind of curious. And uh, he says, well, I'm doing a series on the fruit of the Spirit. And I thought, well, I was immediately intrigued. And uh, I, I said, well, uh, can, what's behind that? Uh, why did you decide to do a series on the fruit of the Spirit? And he said, you know, right now, what I see in our country, what I see in our, our nation, just nationwide, I see a lot of anger, I see a lot of fear, I see a lot of division over so many different things. As our nation is divided over how we should think about, talk about race. Our nation is divided about how we should think about, talk about politics. Our nation is divided by how we think about and talk about COVID. Should we distance? Should we not distance? Should we wear masks? Should we not wear masks? Should we vaccinate? Should we not vaccinate? And he said this, and and this is what really caught me, is he says, you know, the funny thing is our churches and Christians are just as divided as the world. He said our churches and um and, and Christians are just as angry as the world. And that's very interesting, very interesting observation, considering that what the Bible teaches us is that the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is stuff like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And he said, you know, I'll be real honest with you. I feel like I haven't seen a lot of that in our church, or a lot of other churches. And I haven't seen that with a lot of Christians in the world today. And when he said that, I was just like, whoa. I mean, that was pretty. I mean, I felt like he he hit on something that was hugely important and very significant. I thought it was a very valid observation. Uh, Last weekend, Joy and I were away working on our marriage, and we went to uh, we went to a uh, Weekend to Remember conference that's sponsored by uh, the Family Ministry. Because I'm a pastor, I got to go free, um, which made it a lot more affordable. Uh, and uh, we did have to pay for a hotel. We, we did have to pay for our food. Uh, but the conference itself, but it, it, Joy and I had actually done this a couple of other times early in our marriage. It was really good, really good for us. Um, and when we went down there, uh, to be honest with you, first of all, I did not realize how much I needed the conference. I really didn't. I didn't really realize how much I needed to work on as a husband for us to have a stronger, uh, a more, uh, a thriving, 
uh, uh, healthy marriage. And so it was good for me that way. But one of the things that one of the speakers talked about is he brought up the same issue that my buddy Craig had brought up. He said, you know, in our world, he said, today there's all this division and anger over things like COVID and all these other issues. And, and he said, and then he referenced the fruit of the Spirit. And he said, you know, the key to being uh, healthier as Christians and healthier uh, as a church is the fruit of the Spirit. But he also said this. He said, you know, the key to having a healthier marriage is a marriage where there is love in abundance. The key to having a healthier marriage is a marriage where there is joy in abundance. Not just a little joy, but a lot of joy. Uh, uh, the key to a healthier marriage is peace in abundance and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And when he said that, I thought, wow, that kind of makes it really simple, but also very hard. And so, uh, yeah, I've been really thinking about this and praying about this. And so what we want to do is we want to uh, have a spiritual growth challenge where we want to challenge ourselves to learn and to grow and what it means to walk by the Spirit. We want to, we want to challenge ourselves so that we are growing uh, and that we are experiencing uh, love in ever-increasing measure, joy in ever-increasing measure, uh, the peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And I'm calling it a challenge because, because I want each of us to take the challenge. I mean, you can just come along and ride the train and just be here and be present. But it's much better when you take the challenge. And so what I'm going to be encouraging us to do, and it'll be a 10-week series. Over those 10 weeks, I'll be speaking. There are nine fruits of the Spirit. The first week will be an introduction. But we're going to be talking about the di- different fruits of the Spirit. And as we're doing this, I'm going to be encouraging you to pray through Galatians 5, uh, verses 13 through 25, on a daily basis. For yourself, your marriage, your family, uh, your church. And uh, I'm going to be encouraging us to do that. So we're not just, you're not just coming along passively for a ride on a train. But you are going to be actively involved in embracing the challenge. Uh, you know, you don't get fit by, you know, I don't know, standing on a, uh, you know, wearing roller skates on a, 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 what do you call those things that, that you walk on or run on? Uh, treadmill. Treadmill. You know, you, you don't get fit by being on there with roller skates just hanging on to the, the rails. I mean, you're, you're not doing any work. You know, if you want to get fit, you've you got to be more than a passenger. You've got to be committed. And so what we're going to do is we'll be doing the messages. With this, we're also going to be studying through the book of Galatians, which is where the fruit of the Spirit is found, uh, in our small group Bible studies. And so I'd really like to see us uh, take this challenge uh, together. Uh, today, what I want to do... Is, um, is just thinking about this and thinking about what it could be like if our marriages uh, were filled more with the fruit of the Spirit, our families, you know, our lives, our church. Uh, today what I want to do is I want to try to lay a foundation for that series. We've been working our way through the Gospel of John. But the first real introduction, not, I mean, the Holy Spirit, we see the Holy Spirit throughout the Old Testament Scriptures, but in almost a veiled kind of a way. We don't see a fully blown, developed uh, theology of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. We see references to, provision for, but we really see who the Holy Spirit is developed uh, greater when we get into the New Testament. And what we have in the Gospel of John, in John chapters 14, 15, and 16, is what John likes to do. And when he's writing the Gospel of John, what he likes to do is he'll like to touch on different themes. So he may talk about the theme of light and darkness or the theme of life, eternal life. Or he'll talk about the theme of the signs, the miraculous signs that Jesus did or the I am statements of Jesus. But one of the themes of the book of John is the theme of the Holy Spirit. And we see a couple of references in John chapter 3, again in John chapter 7. But in chapters 14, 15, and 16, Jesus begins to develop this theology of who the Holy Spirit is in more detail. And uh, and so he, uh, as, as he does this, I'm completely lost because I wasn't using my notes, okay? That's why I have notes. 
Um, and what he does is, is he, he develops this thing in, in more and greater detail. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. Now, I, I, when I grew up, I don't know about different ones of you. Some of us are still growing up. Uh, some of us who are older are still growing up, okay? Uh, yeah, some of us. Uh, are you talking about me? No, just kidding. <laughs> Not that I'm paranoid. Um, but, uh, but, you know, with, with, when I was growing up, I went to a church that was very conservative, okay? Very, very conservative. Now, there were many wonderful people in the church I grew up in. And then there were the rest, okay? Uh, now, I'm just, there, were, there were a lot of wonderful people, and then there were some people who were, let's say, a little less wonderful than the rest, okay? In the church I grew up in, sometimes there could be a little bit of a legalistic bent to it. And the other bent in our church is we kind of have this attitude of we're right and everybody else is wrong. That's why our church was the Bible church of Little Rock, I remember when Fellowship Bible Church started their church, and I was like, I, at first I can remember as a kid thinking, hey, that's our name, the Bible Church. You can't take our name. And uh, uh, actually, Fellowship Bible Church, wonderful church, wonderful church, great people, have done some exciting, neat things in Little Rock and have a national reputation. But in my church, you know, if you talked about the Holy Spirit, people kind of look at you out of the corner of their eye. If you lifted your hands in worship, oh my goodness! If you were if you were stuttering through First and Second Peter, talking about the Holy Spirit, stuttering about the Holy Spirit, oh, you were really viewed with suspicion. And so, as a kid, I really remember very little being taught about the Holy Spirit, except what we're not supposed to do. When I was uh, a teenager, I had kind of walked away from the Lord. I had. I had walked away from the Lord. I had compromised in a lot of areas in my life. Uh, I just I was uh, just was not in a good place. But when I was 16 years old, I recommitted my life to Christ. And what I began to do is I began to read my Bible. I began to read my Bible, and I began to test what I was taught against the Scriptures instead of testing the Scriptures against what I was taught. And this is always the challenge for us. It's to be able to test what we're taught by the teaching of Scripture. And God has given us the Word of God through the Holy Spirit, who has given it to us through prophets and the apostles. And he wants to speak to us through the Scriptures today. Um, so four things I want to talk about quickly, if I can, about the Holy Spirit. And this is just like a survey, just a a survey, real quick. First thing I want you to see in the teaching of Jesus about the Holy Spirit is in John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. That the Holy Spirit is our advocate helper. He's our advocate helper. And I'll explain to you why I'm calling him an advocate helper here in just a moment. The Holy Spirit is our advocate helper who is with us and in us. What, John, or what Jesus says in John 14, verses 16 and 17, Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Pause, real quick. Pause. Jesus has been talking with his disciples. John 14 through 17 is kind of like a long, really less of a sermon, more of a conversation. But definitely, Jesus is the dominant speaker. And what Jesus is doing is he's preparing his disciples for his going away. That, that he is about to be, be betrayed. In a few hours, Jesus will stand trial and be convicted. And in a few hours, he will be nailed to a cross and he will die. And the disciples have no clue. Jesus has told them that he has talked to them about his death. And yet they still don't get it. They don't understand this. And so he's about to prepare them that he is about to be taken away, crucified. He'll be buried, raised again on the third day. He's going to appear to them over 40 days with many convincing proofs. And then after that, he's going to ascend to the Father. And then on the day of Pentecost, roughly 50 days, hence Pentecost, 50 days are actually seven weeks 
after Passover comes Pentecost, and there will be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the people of God. And Peter will preach this wonderful sermon, and 3,000 people are going to come to know Jesus. And as you read through the book of Acts, you begin to see more and more of the Holy Spirit at work in a new and different kind of way that we don't see before this. And so Jesus is preparing them for this, and he, he says... Uh, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you. Do you see that? He'll give you another advocate to help you. That word advocate comes from the Greek word parakletos, okay? Parakletos. To help you is the same word. In other words, what the NIV did here in translating this is it translates that word parakletos as advocate to help. Some translations will translate the word parakletos as um, advocate. Some translations will translate, such as the ESV, the New American Standard, the New King James Version, all translate it as helper. Uh, Some translations will uh, translate it as counselor and some uh, as comforter. And so the question is, well, which one is it? And the answer is all of them. See, the word parakletos in Greek There is no English word that has the same um, breadth and range of meaning that parakletos has in Greek. And so we struggle to find the the right English word to really capture the meaning uh, of what, what Jesus is trying to say to them here. And so this is where I really like the way the NIV has translated this. It's calling him... The, an advocate to help. So it's taking that idea of an advocate, like a defense advocate. If you go to court and you're being uh, accused of something, he is our advocate. But he is also our helper who helps us in that way, but helps us in many other ways as well. He is also our comforter. He is also our, our counselor. He is all these things. And so it's hard to find a single word that captures the entire range. So the Holy Spirit is our advocate helper who is with us and in us. It says that Jesus says uh, he will give you another advocate. And by the way, real quickly here, another advocate. And the whole point of this is he's saying, hey, listen, I'm going away, but you're going to have another. And when Jesus refers to him as being another parakletos, he's saying he will be for you what I've been for you, but he will be that in an even better way for you. Because later what Jesus is going to say to his disciples, it is better for you that I leave. And they're thinking, no way. How is that good for us to lose you? Uh, and so he says, I'm, I, God will give you, the God the Father will give you another advocate who's in no way inferior to me, no way inferior to the Father, but another parakletos uh, to a, another um, advocate helper Uh, who will be with you forever. The spirit of truth, meaning that he is the spirit who is true, and he is the spirit who guides us in truth. The spirit of truth, uh, and he says this, the world cannot receive him. The world cannot accept him. Why? Because it neither sees him or knows him. It does not, the world does not not see him in in, in the sense of with their eyes, but to perceive and understand. The world cannot perceive and understand him. Uh, But you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. So what we have is, first of all, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is our advocate helper who is with us and in us. Now, real quick, and I'm going to digress a little bit because I skipped something in my notes, okay? Is, let me put it to you this way. If you're having trouble in following Jesus, meaning that you understand following Jesus conceptually, but when it comes to, uh, you know, a little bit of shoe leather, uh, you know, where it, the, the idea of really living it, if you're having difficulty really living what it means to follow Jesus, if you have very little passion and very little closeness with Jesus, in other words, you feel distant from him, if you need help with an addiction or a besetting sin, or maybe you're not struggling with that, uh, maybe you're not struggling with any blatant sin, what many people in the church would call blatant sin. But you are struggling with church sins. Church sins. In other words, 
you know, you believe in God, you know, you don't go down to Dave's Liquor and get liquored up, you know. You're not drugging, you're not robbing anyone, but you are, well, I can't say that word in church, okay? <laughs> Be whole, okay? You, you are just someone who, uh, you just have this cantankerous attitude that nobody really wants to be around. That is sin. That is carnality. That is, it, it's the, the it, it's, you know, it's the way a lot of church people live. If you're having a problem with those things, uh, if you need to see more of the fruit of the Spirit in your life, uh, if you need help in your marriage, need help as a parent, if you want m- to be a more effective witness for Christ in your world, uh, if, you, um, if you just want to draw near to God, then what you need is you need to understand better who the Holy Spirit is, how he works in our lives, and how to walk by the Spirit. Second thing I want you to see from the teaching of Jesus in John chapters 14 through 16. Uh, secondly, the Holy Spirit teaches us all things and brings to our minds the teaching of Jesus. That, that, that the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit does, well, here, let me give you the scripture. Jesus says this, all this I've spoken to you while still with you. He's getting ready to leave, remember? He's getting ready to be betrayed. He's getting ready to be convicted. He's getting ready to be uh, condemned, to be nailed to a cross and to die. Then he'll rise again, appear to his disciples with many convincing proofs over 40 days, and then he will ascend to the right hand of the Father. Okay? So he says, all this I've spoken to you while still with you. But the advocate, the advocate helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Now, let's talk about why and how this is important real quickly. Okay? Who is Jesus speaking to? His disciples, the apostles. Okay? And oftentimes in Scripture, what we will have is we will have a primary application in the immediate context. Okay? Example. God tells Abraham to take his son, Isaac, to the top of Mount Moriah and to sacrifice him to God. Okay? Now, if I preach that text and say, okay, guys, those of you who are fathers, Steve, I want you to take Rod to the top of Mount Moriah. And sacrifice him. No, God's not telling you to do that. God's not telling me to take Caleb to the the top of, I don't know, twin sisters and and sacrifice him. That's not what God is telling me to do. But that is what God told Abraham to do. And, of course, you know the story that God provided a sacrifice on behalf of Isaac. And ultimately, God provides a sacrifice for us. That would, 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 uh, the, 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 the principal application was that Abraham was to trust God, believe in God, do what God said. And through this, we have a wonderful picture of what Jesus has done for us. Abraham was to bring his son, in, in, in the words of Genesis, his only son, even though he, he did have the son Ishmael. But he was to bring his only son, meaning his promised son, to sacrifice him. By the way, what does God do for us? He sacrifices his only son for you and me. And what does God do for Isaac? God provides a sacrifice for Isaac, provides the ram uh, that, that Abraham. And what God has done for us is he's provided a sacrifice on our behalf. So there is a primary application for Abraham in that specific moment in salvation history. But there is a universal principle that applies to all of us, a secondary application for us. Does this make sense for you? Or did I totally mess you up here? Okay? Uh, just nod your heads, yes, even if you're thinking no. Okay? Make me feel better. Um, so, in this scripture, the Holy Spirit teaches us all things, brings to our minds the teaching of Jesus. Jesus says this, All this I've spoken to you while with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you disciples. You who I am speaking to will teach you all things. He will remind you of everything I have said to you. He is speaking very specifically to the disciples in a very specific way. Okay, this is where I'm going to read my notes. I apologize. But I want to get this said right. 
These words of Jesus have a primary application to the original disciples through whom the New Testament scriptures would come. See, the reason that they were able to write what they were write and write it with authority is because they wrote as they were being reminded by the Holy Spirit, guided by the Holy Spirit. If you need a, uh, a secondary reference on this, Second Peter, I think it's in the end of chapter 1. I can't remember. I should have written it down. I didn't. Um, and so what the primary application is that God guided his original disciples so that what they wrote was the word of God to give to you and me. But the same words of Jesus, although it has a primary application to his original disciples, has a secondary application to you and me. That is, the Holy Spirit guided them in all truth in the writing of Scripture. The Holy Spirit guides you and me in the reading and understanding of Scripture. So that as they were guided in truth in the writing of the New Testament, we are guided in truth in the reading of the New Testament as the Holy Spirit applies it to your life and to my life. Okay? Uh, So the Holy Spirit teaches us all things, brings to our minds the teachings of Jesus. Number three, the Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus, and and we also will testify about Jesus. In John chapter 15, Jesus says, When the advocate comes, the the paraclete, when the paraclete comes, the advocate um, helper, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me, and you also must testify. uh, For you have been with me from the beginning. That the Holy Spirit is the advocate helper who testifies about Jesus. And, And that you and I, Uh, As the disciples, again, this idea of primary application, secondary application. The disciples were to be witnesses for Jesus. By the way, this word for testify, uh, when he speaks of the Holy Spirit testifying about Jesus, and then about the disciples testifying about Jesus, is uh, martyreo, where we get our word martyr from. Okay? One who dies for the faith. The original meaning of that word, though, was not dying for the faith. The original meaning of that word was to testify, to bear witness to something. But because so many of the early followers of Jesus died while giving testimony to Jesus, we began to associate the word martyr with that idea of dying for the faith. But really what God is is saying to us here is that the Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus to us. And that as, as... Uh, The disciples testified to their world and bore witness to their world about Jesus. You and I are to testify and bear witness to our world about him as well. Fourth thing I want you to see in the teaching of Jesus with regards to the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, as it's presented in John 16, has a twofold ministry. Okay. Uh, the Holy Spirit has a twofold ministry. He has a ministry to the world to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, to convict an unbelieving world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. But he also has a secondary ministry to you and, and to me uh, to strengthen the church by guiding us uh, in, in all truth. The Holy Spirit convicts the unbelieving world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and strengthens the church by guiding us in all truth. And this is kind of a long text of Scripture, uh, and and, uh, try to follow as best you can. Uh, If you have your Bible, I would open up to John 16. I'm going to begin in verse 7. This actually begins a little bit before that, but I'm going to start in verse 7. But John 16, 7 through 15, Jesus says this. He says, Very truly I tell you, It is for your good, literally better for you, that I am going away. Unless, Jesus says, unless I go away, the advocate helper, the paraclete, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong. He will convict the world about sin uh, and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. By the way, by the way, you want to know what the worst sin of all is? 
the worst sin of all is not believing. The worst sin of all is the, the unbeliever who spends eternity separated from God. It's the sin of unbelief. Uh, and sometimes we get really focused on all these other sins that we think are so bad for our society. The sin that we need to be most concerned about is the sin of unbelief. Because it's the sin of unbelief that keeps us from God. That keeps us from uh, believing in Jesus. And that keeps us from the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Sometimes as Christians, it's like we get really focused on people being transformed. We want them to live the new life and they haven't even had the new birth. And we come up with this list of things. Oh, you're, oh, you're, what you're doing is ruining our nation. Well, that's what sinners do. Okay? Even Christian sinners. All right? But, but what needs to happen here is, is in, in the, what the Holy Spirit does is he convicts the world of sin. Why? Because they do not believe me, Jesus says, about righteousness. Why? Because I am going to the Father where you can see me, um, uh, where you can see me no longer. So here, concerning righteousness, he's going to convict the world about righteousness. Why? Because he is going, returning to the Father. You see, the world condemned Jesus. The Jews condemned Jesus as a what? As a sinner. As someone who is misleading the people. As someone who is lying and saying, I am the Messiah when he was not. But what, Jesus, but what God did for Jesus is he raised him from the dead and exalted him to the right hand of God, proving that Jesus was not a sinner. He was not misleading the people. He was, in fact, the Messiah, uh, and he is the righteous one. And so the Holy Spirit, he convicts the world of sin. He convicts the world about the righteousness of who Jesus is, and he convicts the world about judgment because the prince of this world, the prince of this world, the deceiver, the prince of this world, the serpent of Genesis 3, the prince of this world, the ruler of this world, Satan. The ruler of this world, the devil. The ruler of this world, the prince of this world, the dragon of the book of Revelation. The Holy Spirit will convict the world about judgment because the prince of this world stands condemned. Stands condemned, meaning this. Kind of like a prisoner on death row. A prisoner on death row is condemned. They haven't been killed yet, but it's coming. They still have a certain measure of freedom in the prison, but they're condemned. Satan is condemned. He is condemned. And the book of Revelation tells us, I, Revelation 20, 21, I can't remember. Uh, in the book of Revelation, that tells us, the Bible tells us that a day is coming when Satan will be cast into the lake of fire. Well, he will uh, burn in eternal torment forever. That's what the lake of fire is. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And then in verses 12 through 15, we see that the second part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, he convicts the world, an unbelieving world, of sin, righteousness, and judgment. But he also strengthens the church by guiding us in all truth. Verse 12, Jesus says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, who? The Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, the the uh, advocate, the paraclete, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. It's the Holy Spirit who convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And it is the Holy Spirit who strengthens the church and strengthens believer by, believers by guiding us in all truth. 
there's a lot of confusion among many Christians about who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. Uh, This is why you need to read and why I need to read. And we need to meditate on the teaching of Jesus in John chapters 14 through 16. This is why we're going to take the spiritual growth challenge after the first of the year. Uh, and, And this is why we want to grow in our understanding of what it means to walk by the Spirit so that we live out the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, our church, our marriages, and our homes. I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and come back up. The Holy Spirit is our advocate helper who is with us and in us forever. The Holy Spirit teaches us all things and brings to our minds the teaching of Jesus. The Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus, and we also will testify about him. The Holy Spirit convicts the unbelieving world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and he uh, builds up and strengthens the church by guiding us in truth. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you uh, for the gift of your spirit. Uh, I want to thank you for, uh, I want to thank you, Holy Spirit, that we have been sealed in you. Those of us who are true believers in Jesus, we have been sealed in you for the day of redemption. Uh, God, I pray that you will help us to understand more of what it means to walk by the Spirit so that we will see love in abundance in our lives, so that we will see joy and peace in abundance in our lives, so that I will be a more patient person. That, 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 that help us, God. We want to understand what it means to walk by your Spirit so that, that we see the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in our lives. And I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. Darkness tries to roll over my bones. Sorrow comes to steal the joy I own. Brokenness and pain is all I know. Why won't be shaken? Why won't be shaken? My fear doesn't stand a chance when I.
You guys have a fantastic week.